chapter 10 tonight, Hebrews chapter 10, this is our first Sunday night, of course, of the year, and it's the night where we announce, or rather expound on our theme for the new coming new year, and so much the more in 2019. Our text verses are Hebrews 10, famous verses, verses 24 and 25, and uh, I'll just tell you a little funny, you know, somebody will get worried and somebody will be nervous here in a minute here, but uh, somebody will be, might be relieved. Uh, most of you know I'm a note preacher. I have, I preach out my, my whole message on, on, you know, on the computer. Well, we got a new computer about a week and a half, two weeks ago, and I still haven't figured out all the bugs. I, I, I walked away from the computer, no joke, this is an hour and a half ago now, and I come back and I got 900 some pages on my computer, and uh, 900 on my document, my Word document. Don't ask me, it just went berserk. Even the experts couldn't fix it. And so, to make a long story short, I got my, my, my messages all done, but it's all on the computer back there. Unless I bring my, my uh, computer up here and look at it, I have to go from a three-by-five card. So you, so, you got the whole message right here. So, it's going to be probably about three minutes we'll be done tonight. <laughs> no, I'm teasing. But, uh, so, we're going to go extemporaneously tonight, which is fine. And, and all God's people said, right? Amen. Uh, let's stand one more time. Let's stretch our bones. And let's read verses 24 and 25 together. Famous verses. Verse 25 is every Baptist preacher's favorite verse almost. And uh, I, I tease you, but I don't know if a Baptist preacher doesn't have this verse committed to memory. And uh, it's a good verse. But we'll read verses 24 as well in verse 25. Two verses reading together. Ready to begin. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Uh, let us consider one another to provoke. We usually think of that word provoke in a negative context. Uh, somebody's trying to make you uh, mad or anger you, but it has a positive context too, too. It has the idea of stirring up, to provoke one another to love and to good works. This is a Jewish epistle, one of the uh, three Jewish epistles, and it was uh, the Bible says, "Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is." Now we think the year. Just to give you a background here, and I'll just sit down here in about thirty seconds. But uh, we think the year is about sixty-five, sixty-six A.D. Sixty-six A.D. The middle of the year, Titus comes into Jerusalem on orders of Nero. Rome was burned in sixty-four A.D. Very famous historical event. Nero blamed the Christians, and of course the Jews were always been scapegoats. And uh, the persecution that's going to follow the Jews, Josephus, the historian, first century historian, recorded that there were a million one hundred thousand Jews in Jerusalem alone that were crucified uh, in the next three and a half years. Of course, in this besieging and the plundering of Jerusalem, the city. And the Bible says, and so much the more as you see, he's talking to Jewish Christians. He says, as you see the day approaching, and uh, they, Paul, they, they knew that a day of judgment, their version of uh, the Nazi Holocaust was upon them. They knew that. They sensed it. And he said, how much more you ought to be assembling yourselves together as a matter of some is. Don't forsake the assembling of yourself together in God's house. And so much more as you see this day of judgment approaching. Well, we have a day of day as well approaching. I believe it's talking for us in our context. It's talking about the day of the, when we see the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And uh, some of us may not see that day when he re, 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 comes to the, in the rapture, the catching away. We may, be, may go by River Jordan, as it's called. We may go by death. But we're going to see him one day, and we're closer today than we ever have been. And so we want to look at this subject and so much the more in the minutes that we have tonight. Heavenly Father, speak to our hearts in just the minutes that we have this evening. We'll thank you for it. Lord, give us a wonderful year this year. Help us, Lord, to increase our efforts for the kingdom of God, we pray. And we'll thank you for it, Lord. Bless now, we pray. In Christ's name we ask. Amen. You may be seated tonight. Well, I have 10, 10, 10 things or 10 things that we need to have more of in 2019. And, uh, you know, I'll just start off by letting you know, and I've said most, of, most days now, it seems like, but uh, uh, I'm slowing down. The older I get, the slower I move. It takes me longer to get dressed now in the morning. <laughs> it takes me longer to do pretty much everything that I do. It takes me a little bit longer. And it happens with age, of course. And, uh, and, uh, but I... Uh, I might not be as quick as I used to be. I guarantee I'm not. But I can be, and you can be some things. And our church, maybe, uh, maybe you're slowing down too. Maybe say you can concur with that. But uh, what can we do more in 2019? I think we can have, number one, this, this, this evening, more consecration. More consecration to the Lord. More like the master I would be. More of his love, more humility. And I'm going off the top of my head on the song, but it's going to be our theme song for the year, one of our theme songs, more like the master, more consecration. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We just had a challenge. Let me give you the challenge again. Bob gave it, I gave it. And give you a challenge in 2019, and I won't ask you to raise your hand, but uh, we had 12 people stand that read the read the Bible through all the way through in one year. Why don't you take that challenge to read the Bible through in one year? Some of you, and I don't mean to be harsh, but some of you have been Christians for many years and you've never read God's Word through one time. I would encourage you, maybe you're a teenager, just let me give you something real practical. Uh, the New Testament is about one third the size, almost one quarter the size of the Old Testament. Start with the New Testament. Read the New Testament through in 2019. That's a good place to start. And uh, have more consecration in regards to the things of the Lord. God will bless you for it. Turn over to Philippians chapter 3. And let me give you the second more that we need to have in 2019. That is more determination. More determination. Paul, he's at the end of his life. This is one of the prison epistles. I think all of you know Paul loses his head, literally. And he knows he's probably going to be, suffer a martyr's death. He's in prison, we believe, at least two times in Rome. Of course, we know for a fact one time for sure. And he was imprisoned in Lystra and other places as well. He stoned at Lystra, if you remember the Acts tells us that. Paul went through a lot. He's in his old age now. In Philippians chapter 3, verse number 13, of course, he's the human author, divinely inspired by the Holy Spirit of God. Uh, look at Philippians 3, verse number, uh, I said, start, let's start with verse number uh, uh, 12. Not as though I had already attained. What do you mean? He's a superstar. He's already won the gold medal in so many ways, it seems like. Either we're already perfect. No, he was far from perfect. But I follow after that which I may apprehend, that for which 
I am also apprehended of Christ Jesus. Verse 13. I memorized these verses many years ago. Let me see if I can do them. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. But this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth to those things which are before. Let's read that rest of the verse together here. Verse 14, ready? Toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Forgetting those things which are behind and obliteration of the past. Maybe you had a good 2018, but this is a new year. Past success does not guarantee future, future success. We can keep on pressing on. Work for the night is coming when no man can work. And so give, a, give determination, and I'm determined to go forward in 2000. I want to finish my course with joy. I trust that you do too as well. He who aims at nothing, by the way, uh, this uh, Chinese proverb, I guess it is, <laughs> uh, usually hits it. No, he that aims at nothing always hits it. Aim for nothing, you'll hit it every time. But aim for something. Decide, I'm going to make a determination that you're going to you're going to live for God in 2019. Then uh, I think more consecration, more Holy Spirit, more uh, desire to be like the Master, more determination. But then thirdly, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and let me show you a third word. I have 10 in case you're wondering. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And this is going a whole lot faster than it would have gone had I had my notes printed out. I'll tell you right now because I'm already forgetting what I was going to say in these, these points here. I'm going off memory. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Let's start in the, the key verses, the last verse of the chapter, but I want to start in verse number uh, 19, how about? 1 Corinthians 9, 19, this third word of dedication. More dedication. And... Uh, some of these words overlap a little bit, but they have a different meaning. Of course, that's why we have a different word. For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all, that I might, by, that I might gain the more. And to the Jews I am become a Jew, that I might gain the Jews. To them that are under the law, as, them that are, as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. Remember when in Acts, uh, I think it's 21, don't quote me on that where Paul took a vow upon him and shaved his head. Remember that? And he tried to please the Jews. You know, sometimes you can't please. Uh, I gave the illustration, and it's true. We're, we're a traditional church. Everybody knows that. Good, bad, that's what we are. And our music is traditional. Some people think it's boring and so forth, and archaic and so forth, and we do the hymns, and, the, and the, we're not into the contemporary movement, shall we say. Not bashing it, just saying that's not, not who we are. Had a gentleman come into our service about three or four months ago, sat in the back corner. First time he was in the service, 11 minutes into the service, he says to me, as a handshaking time, I went right for him. And the and, uh, first thing he said to me as I'm shaking his hand, he says, I don't like suits and ties. And I says, I don't like suits and ties either. And, and uh, he says, and your music is boring. And, uh, and uh, we sang two songs, and uh, he just wanted me to know right out of the gate that my suits and tie, my suit and tie offended him. And I said, well, I just wear a suit and tie because I'm the preacher. I tried to fluff it off, fluff it off you know. I don't, I don't think he was impressed with the service at all. I, he came one time, and he's gone. You can't please everybody. But no, notice this. Said, Paul said in verse number 21, hold that thought. To them that are without the law is without the law, being not without law to God, but under the law of, to Christ, that I may gain them that are without law. 
To the weak became I as weak, that I may gain them, gain the weak. I am made, verse 22, I made all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. We had our men's prayer meeting yesterday in, uh, at uh, the log house in our men's fellowship meeting. We had just 14 guys show up. We had a good time. But I just mentioned that uh, uh, we're trying to relax a little bit. I, I made some guys real nervous here. I've been wearing these silly suits and ties for forever, for 33 years now. I'm still probably going to, I'm probably going to my grave as a pastor wearing a suit and tie. I'm sorry about that. Some people get offended by it. Other people are happy by it. I don't know what you are, but I'm not trying to be offensive. I'm not trying to be uh, somebody I'm not or trying to be somebody, uh, uh, somebody special. But I was thinking, I told the fellows, uh, you know, when I went to school, college, uh, seminary, or Bible college, whatever you want to call it, in the 70s, my teachers were in their 70s and 80s, and in some cases, late 80 years old. They were men that had pastored in the 1930s and 40s. It's hard to believe that. And they taught us young guys in the 1970s that if you ever walk around without a suit and a tie, then, that uh, you'll, lose, you'll disgrace the, the, the ministry of the Lord and you'll, you'll, uh, uh, people lose all respect for you. And so I was taught to wear a suit and a tie as a pastor. And I've been doing that for all these years. And um, I told the fellows, hey, we can lighten up. We're now to the point now where we're offending people and people are, they don't feel comfortable around us. They already think we're weird enough. And uh, Paul said, I'm become all things to all men that I may by all means gain some. I don't want to do away with this shirt and tie. And I want, if you guys want to wear a shirt and tie, you wear a shirt and tie, or suit and tie, I should say. And uh, by the way, I still like dresses on ladies and, and all the God's men said, amen. That was supposed to be... Godly dresses, okay, yeah. So did that, that, that didn't come out right, did it? That's what happens when I don't have notes here. This, you know what I mean. Don't, don't read into that anything. But uh, I want to keep our standards. But I want people to feel comfortable that come in that don't own a uh, uh, ladies don't own a nice dress, for example, or uh, uh, a man that don't wear a suit or never wore a tie in their life. I want to become all things for all, all men. And I think it's a part of dedication and humility. And we could read verses 23 to 26, but let's go right to verse 27. But I keep under my body and bring it into the subjection, lest by any means when I've preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. And so I think in 2019, let's, let's decide that we're going to up our game in the area of consecration holiness. Let's try to up our game in the area of uh, determination I count now myself to be apprehended, but this is one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind, I reach forth to the price of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let's just up our game in the area of dedication. Uh, be fearful about being, becoming a castaway. Say, I'm going to do all I can to be all things to all men, that I might by all means gain some. Then number four, the fourth word is the word participation. I have Philippians. In fact, let's go to Philippians chapter 1. Just one verse, Philippians chapter 1. This, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Philippians, chapter 1, one verse, verse 27, only let your conversation or your lifestyle be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come to see you or and see you or else be absent, Paul said, I may hear of your affairs, now notice this, that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, 
striving together, there's the key phrase, striving together for the faith of the gospel. God's called us to unity. God's called us to be a cohesive unit and, and much can be accomplished when we have participation and we uh, strive together for the cause of Christ. Sometimes that means putting away some of our own individual soul liberties and our own desires and thoughts the way things ought to be run and become a team player. That leads me to the next, next word, and we saw it in our Hebrews 10, 24 verse, the word cooperation. The Bible says, and let us provoke one another to consider one another, to provoke to love and to good works. More cooperation. And uh, what I mean by that is, and I, oh, I did print that out. I got this printed out on my other computer here. So I, I have 19 times I printed out the word uh, to love one another, and it comes out 19 times. The Bible commands us many times the Lord Jesus, for example, in John 13, 34, he said, a new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another, as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. This is not a preference. This is not an option. This is cooperation. God's told us that we need to love one another. Put away your differences. You know, I spend much of my ministry, much of the pastorate, even this past week and so forth, I'm constantly talking to people in regards to family schisms and family division and family odd one with another. It never ends. It seems like almost every day of my life. I'm talking to somebody there at odds. Uh, sister's at odds with her sister. A brother's at odds with her bro- uh, his brother. Uh, kids at odds with their parents. Parents odds with their kids, grandkids. On and on it goes. It just, it's just a myriad of division and schism. And I always tell people, I had somebody, I have to be a little careful here, be a little elusive on purpose as usual in regards to this, but I was talking to one of our younger members, they're not here tonight, and uh, they had issues, uh, be evasive on purpose, but they had issues with their family or their, their parents. And I always say, the Bible says, honor thy father and the mother that the days may be long upon the earth. I don't care if your parent is the lousiest parent that's ever lived. You can find something to thank God for. They gave you life. There's something you can thank God for. Think on the good things. We heard the verse, Philippians 4.8. What sort of things are true, good, honest, pure, good reporters, there be any virtue, pray, or praise, think on these things. And so we have to work at, in Ephesians 4 says, to endeavor to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. God's been very good to our church, and even in recent days and years. And, uh, and um, the one sinner destroyeth much good, the Bible says. Uh, one little, little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. And if we're not careful, we can allow a little bit of sin to get in and destroy uh, the cooperative, participating effort of the house of God. And God says, let us consider one another, provoke one another for love and to love and to good works. We need to love one another. 18 other times, John 13, 34, I quoted 18 other times. I won't read it, but we see that command to love one another. Then a sixth word, and let's see, I'm pulling this off the top of my head. The word is the word examination. And that is uh, second, yes, I got it. It just popped in my head. Second Corinthians, turn there, look at the one verse here, if you would please. Second Corinthians 13 it is. It's not on my three by five card, it's in my head, hopefully. I think I actually got it. Second Corinthians 13, verse number five. The Bible says, examine yourselves. There it is. Whether ye be in the faith. Prove your own selves. 
Let me get serious for just a few moments here, and it's the most sobering thought I think I've had in the last 15, 20 minutes, but it so concerns me as pastor of this assembly for many years now. I'm sure, now I don't know who exactly, but I'm sure that we've had unregenerated, unsaved church members that have got into our church roles that have never been, maybe they've even been baptized. They joined the church by church letter or what have you. They came from another gospel preaching church, maybe, but they're not saved. That's, that's a very humbling thought. And it breaks my heart to think that people could hear the gospel week in and week out, year in and year out, and not truly be saved. The Bible says, examine yourselves whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. By, your works, by their works you shall know them. The Bible says, know ye not that your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be reprobates, illegitimate children. I uh, just popped in my head. I uh, just remember Dr. Carl Woodbury. I think he's in heaven now. If he's alive, he'd be 100 or 102, 103. He went to school with a guy named Martin Luther King. He preached in the largest Baptist church in North Carolina for 12 years. He wasn't even a Christian. He was on states, radio in five states in the 1960s. Genius, infidel, Baptist preacher. Yeah, all of the above. He came to our Bible college. He preached like 15 times in one week. The chapel service and the, 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 another, we had a second service. We had an evening service and then he preached to night, the night guys. He preached 15 or maybe 18 messages in one week. At a Bible college where everybody's training to be in the full-time service, he preached every single message was on salvation. We had about 30 people get saved that week at a Bible college. People training for to be missionaries and be ministers of the gospel. Examine yourselves. Uh, in fact, uh, do you know whom you have believed? Look at, just, uh, look at Philippians chapter 1 just quickly here, if you can get there fast enough. Or no, it's 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1, if you can get there as fast as I can, you can follow along with me. Just If not, just listen. Verse 12, Paul said, For, this, for which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed. And I'm persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. I don't say this with boast or brag, I don't. I say it with all praise. But I know I'm saved. I know I've asked Jesus Christ into my heart. I know whom I have believed in. I had a missionary, I always get tickled when I think about the story. He came right to our church. He preached from this pulpit right here, from this microphone right here. And uh, he had a little bit different uh, mindset in regards to certain things. And he, he started questioning me about my salvation. I just, just uh, it didn't make me mad. It made, almost made, got me silly. And uh, he said, well, are you sure you're saved? I said, I know I'm saved. I, I was at, back in Ohio this week here, and I saw my 80-year-old dad, and I don't mean to be funny or facetious. He won't hear this, but uh, I saw my dad in that hospital bed, and I said, I know I'm a son of Martin Schott. I'm looking, I, I look like him. Uh, people tell me the same thing, of course. And I mean, it's obviously, I, I know I'm, Martin Schott's son. I got that figured out by just looking at him. Even more so, I know that I'm the son of God by the, his spirit bears witness with my spirit. More examination. Are we in the faith? Are we staying in the faith? Number seven, verse number, word number seven, rather, if you're keeping track. The word organization. 
Now I could have a little bit of fun here. 1 Corinthians 14 says, let all things be done decently and in order. When I went to school, college, I didn't go for, I had some, I guess I did come to think of it, I had pastoral leadership classes and so forth, but I didn't learn how to be a CEO. Not that I'm a CEO, but I didn't learn how to delegate. I'm not a good administrator, I wish I was. Some pastors are just naturally gifted that way. I do not have that gift, the gift of ruling. I got the Indian gift, I tell people, and I really do. I got the, the gift of helps, if you know Romans chapter 12. I just, doesn't matter to me what needs to be done, I don't mind doing it. I'm a way better Indian than I've said many times than I'm a chief. But God, for some reason, by default, has put me in this position of being a, a shepherd, an under-shepherd. And so you got, a, you got an Indian as your under-shepherd and not a chief. But we need to have some organization and we need to work on it. And I'm still working at this thing here. Believe me, I'll probably die trying. But we need to get our ship in order in regards to getting things done orderly and decently. We've got a group of leaders. i got some ladies that are helping us out here. Uh, by the way, April, just, just so you know, April's uh, helping take over and some voluntary uh, secretarial work. Been a great help in the office, of course. There's many of you, I can start naming names, that help on a volunteer schedule. All of you, the nursery workers, the, the Sunday school workers, the cleaners, the, the, uh, the, uh, the ladies' uh, departments, and there's several ladies' departments in our, within our church. And then, of course, men departments. There's a lot of organization that needs to be done. And not everything has to be run through me. If everything has to be run through me, we're not going to get a whole lot done around here. But um, you be in prayer as we try to tighten up. You know, I'll just you know, give you a couple of specifics. I wrote down about four words here. I wrote down the word connections, the word groups, and the word children's programs. I will say this, and, and um, I, something that I don't think we can fix right away. But we used to have a pretty good, years before we've had pretty good Wednesday night programs for kids. We don't have Wednesday night programs for kids. And when there's not a program for kids, there's not, uh, a lot of people don't come to the midweek service. Uh, Sunday school, or there I go, I use that word again. Uh, we used, Sunday school used to have, uh, uh, we used to have a lot more classes. We need more classes for kids. You say, well, we don't have kids. That's because we don't have classes. You say, well, if we had kids, we had classes. And that's like saying, We'd have a restaurant if we, you know, uh, 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 if somebody wants to come to my place, so they'll eat if there's a restaurant there to eat, but you don't have a restaurant. You've got everything in place. Restaurant's got to be all up and running in good, good stead in order for people to come in before they even start to come in. Then you've got to gain a reputation. The same with, with uh, classes and organization. First, we've got to have everything in place, the organization in place, people in, in their position and a, a place to meet and a a program to follow and so forth. All that, and that takes time and effort, I admit. But let me go on to, go on to Luke chapter 14. I've got three more words hanging with me. Luke chapter 14, let me give you the eighth word that we can have more of in 2019. Luke chapter 14. We were at the uh, log house in the back room yesterday. Like I said, just 14 of us. And after the, we got dismissed about 10 o'clock and and one of the guys stood by and uh, wanted to talk to me afterwards. And we ended up talking until about 11 o'clock. And while we were talking, one of the uh, waiters or busboys came in to clean up. And we were talking, church, you know, so-called church talk, religious talk, whatever. And, uh, and he was over, overhearing the conversation. And he came, came over. He said, excuse me, are you a pastor? And, of course, you know, I acknowledge so. And uh, he began talking to me. And he says, 
that he found Christ, uh, and he had the very date, just uh, in October of uh, 2018. He was just so happy to be saved, and I questioned him. I went through the plan of salvation with him and, and uh, really got saved. He was so thrilled to get him a gospel track, of course, obviously. Got a chance to talk to him. But it leads me to this next word here, the word more evangelization. We need to, you, if you don't evangelize, you'll fossilize. Now, I will say this, and I, this is for you veterans, if you're a rookie Tonight here, a newer Christian, just close your ears for a second. I think it's safe to say that the days are harder today than they have been in years past. And I think it's because of not persecution, but I think it's because of plenty. When there's prosperity, Ravenhill, the great evangelist, said this way, the great tragedy of the church is there's no tragedy. And when there's no tragedy, people, when there's not persecution, people don't look for the Lord. When everything's going good... Proverbs 30, people forget God. And we're in that era, I believe, in America and maybe in the world in general. And I know there's pockets of areas where God is reaching down and saving people, usually in highly persecuted areas. But in Luke chapter 14, just glance at the verses, the parable of the wedding supper. And I have to turn there. Luke chapter 14, verse number... I can't tell you how to find it myself. Luke chapter 14, and verse number... 19 maybe, I'll get there, I'm still turning. Luke 14, starting verse number 2018, 17. And a certain servant uh, at supper time, and he sent a certain servant at, uh, oh, verse number 16, there it is. A certain man made a great supper and bade many. And a servant and a servant was sent to, to bid them to come to the wedding feast. And they all, with one consent, I'm paraphrasing verse 18 and 19 and 20, began to, with one consent, make excuse. Verse 21, so that servant came and showed his Lord these things. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes to the city of the city, and bring in hither the poor and the maimed and the halt and the blind. And the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded, and yet there is room. The Bible says, go out and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. Where is that verse here? I, I skipped right over it. Or did I read it? 23. Yes, I'm sorry. There it is. And the Lord said unto his servant, go into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. There's a difference between coercion and compelling God says we need to compel, we need to beseech people, plead with people to come to Christ while there's still time. So God help us to be, in, be better evangelists in 2018. Two more words, the word motivation. Uh, work for the night is coming. Where's, uh, where'd he go? Caleb's hiding on me. Where's Caleb? Where, oh, oh, there he is, there he is. Yeah, if you sit in the front row, I just look right over the top of you. <laughs> Thank you, Caleb. But uh, Caleb is, you know, like the, you know, he's going to be the CEO soon of Walmart, <laughs> and uh, he's, he's moving up the ladder very fast at Walmart. But now I didn't ask him this; he doesn't know what I'm going to say this. But you know, I every once in a while I'll sneak into Walmart early, like seven o'clock, seven thirty. I think it opens seven seven. And I notice they have their team meeting. Did you notice that? You ever see that? They, do they have that every morning? I know the answer. They do, don't they? What is that? 
I'm going to tell you what that is. That's a motivation. That's a, you say, does it work? Hey, we're talking about Walmart. Don't forget. Yeah, it works. What's Sunday night service? 52 times a year. What is it? It's a motivation service. <laughs> it's time where we get together and thank God for the goodness of maybe the past week or the, this morning services or what have you. Motivation. And... Uh, I had printed out work for the night is coming when no man can work. Maybe in a moment we'll sing it here. But then I'll give you last shun. I had consecration, determination, dedication, participation, cooperation, examination, organization, evangelization, motivation, last word, and so much more as you see the day approaching. Anticipation. Anticipation or expectation. 2 Corinthians or 2 Timothy 4.8. The Bible says, uh, uh, I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is set up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give to me, not to me only, but unto all those who love his appearing. I don't want to end on a downer, but I want to tell you just a story. We'll end with this here and summarize to be done. Um, we, we took off after the morning service. We drove straight through, of course, and got to Ohio. Uh, about 10 o'clock, whatever it was, Sunday night. And then uh, Sunday morning, we went to Ashtabula General Hospital. P.P. Uh, P. Bliss, the songwriter, died literally right behind the hospital. We went to saw the marker, of course, and the great Ashtabula train wreck. 97 people died in that train wreck in 1876. And uh, from the back window, my dad's room, you could see the, the, the golf. And just to the right was where P.P. Bliss and his wife died. But anyhow, back to the story. Uh, so my dad was, it was his uh, second night in the hospital. It was Monday now, the day before New Year's, of course. And we went in, and he had a roommate. Dad's 82, soon to be 83. He had a roommate that happened to be 82, had knee surgery the day before, which was Monday. And, or, and now it was, no, it was Tuesday. I talked to Charlie was his name, 82-year-old Charlie. And I had no idea, just decided to seen cold turkey. He's my dad's roommate. So I talked to him, and the more I talked to him, I said, I, I just mentioned that I happen to be a preacher. Somehow along the line, I mentioned I was a Baptist preacher. Just talking to him, nice deeds, sharing nice deeds. He's telling me about his family and so forth. And, and so finally, after about five minutes, I says, well, what kind of line of work did you do? He said, well, believe it or not, I've been a preacher all my life. I said, you're kidding me. He says, yeah, he was a Church of Christ preacher for 55 years, he told me. I can tell you his last name. Nice guy. Had a wonderful conversation with him. But now, listen, I'm just, I'm just telling you. And I told him, oh, my mom grew up in the Church of Christ. Now, I'm going to tell you a little secret. The Church of Christ, he was non-instrumental, by the way, for you that know the, the, the different variants. The fundamentalists of the Church of Christ they believe in what, what we know of as baptismal regeneration. I'm telling you right now, you mark my words. You talk to a Church of Christ preacher, you cannot be saved. You will not be saved. You will not, let's be blunt, you will not go to heaven if you haven't been baptized by immersion. Now my dad was in the bed right seven feet away from him, ten feet away from him. My dad gloriously trusted Christ as his Savior a couple years ago. He's never been baptized. I'd love to see my dad get baptized. I don't think that'll probably happen. He's now reduced to a walker, and he's got several other things hooked up to him on a regular basis now. I don't think that day's ever going to happen. 
According to Charlie, my dad has no hope of heaven. So another day went by, and I had I did I didn't I, I told uh, I kept things light and nice and so forth with Charlie, 55 years uh, Church of Christ preacher, and we there's a lot of coming and going, a lot of family members and so forth, and so we got to the last day Wednesday before we took off, and I saw Charlie again and his a couple of his relatives that came in to see him, of course, and I so I just wanted to we were saying our goodbyes this early Wednesday morning, and uh, as Pastor Charlie, I just you know just closer than from here, me to Caleb, of course, just a few feet away, and I didn't want to be intrusive with his relatives, I said, hey, we'll see you in heaven. I don't want to end on a bummer. But his relatives, his, his new wife, his first wife died after some 50-some years of marriage, I understand, and he remarried. And his, wife was, his new wife was standing there, and she said, it's the best of them. She says, and it wasn't, it wasn't meant to be funny. I, don't, I didn't take it as funny. She says, well, let's hope it'll be there. And I thought, that's what happens when you have a religion of works. When you've got to be baptized and you've got to persevere to the end. And his own wife says, let's hope he'll be there. And I just kind of fluffed it off. But I said to myself in my heart, I know I'll be there. I know if my dad received Christ as his Savior, which I believe he did, and he's given testimony of it. I prayed with him the last before we left. He'll be there too, with or without getting baptized in 700 gallons of water. He'll be in heaven because he received Christ as his Savior. The more anticipation and more uh, expectation in 2019. We're closer to the Lord coming than ever before. And so much the more. Let's make this year, decide if you decide today that you're going to re-up your game, that you're going to re-enlist. Uh, last just illustration popped in my head. I'm thinking some military guys who were talking about, well, you re, they call it re-upping. Maybe it's nice, tonight's the night where you want to re-up and say, I'm going to, you know what, I'm going to serve God in 2019. Let's bow for prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Lord, thank you for these wonderful two verses. Long after we forget the contents of this message, Lord, help us to remember the verses to not forsake the assembling ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more, and so much the more as we see the day approaching. One day we'll see you and we'll wish we had given you more. Help us live for you now, for now is the accepted time. Work for the night is coming. We'll thank you for it, Lord. Blessed in our moments of invitation, in Christ's name I pray, amen. Let's turn to page, I think it's 91. I think it's 91 until then.